stay tuned for Mind, Body, Health with Dr. Marvin Trotter. Good morning, Rich. Um, here we go with Dr. Saran, Anita West, RN, and Davey Beck, paramedic. Well, we have the team from the Coast Hospital. I'll let them introduce themselves and tell them tell us how they got to Mendocino first. Well, I'll start. <clears throat> My name is Robin Saran. I'm a physician, and um, I serve as the medical director for the emergency room. And I came to the coast when, after my daughter graduated from high school, I was living in San Francisco for 30 years. And when she graduated from high school, I got to move anywhere I wanted. And there was only one choice for me, and that was to come to the Mendocino Coast. And that was seven years ago, and uh, I haven't missed the city at all. Very good. I love living here. So I'm, I'm Davey Beek. Uh, I was brought here as a four-year-old child and raised amongst the, the redwoods of Comshi and uh, disappeared and went to college for a few years. And, and then uh, as soon as I started thinking about raising a family and getting married, um, I found a wonderful woman and brought her back to uh, live among the same redwoods and raise my kids among the same redwoods as I was raised among them. Oh, Comchi native. Okay. Absolutely. Hi, my name is Anita West, and similar to Davey, I was brought here when I was four years old, and I think uh, the two of us both get to finally call ourselves locals. <laughs> I've raised my children here and um, just really feel um, that this hospital has been a wonderful gift of opportunity for me to pursue a career in public service and healthcare and um, just fortunate that it uh, continues to sustain and uh, provide this great service to a community that my family continues to live in. So just, um, I've navigated multiple positions in this hospital. I started as an access coordinator. I worked on the ambulance, put myself through nursing school, and then came back here to um, you know, work the last 20 years as an RN in the emergency room. And now in the past year and a half, I've leaned into a leadership role as the uh, clinical manager of the emergency room. So very fortunate and, and happy to be here. We have a very good crew to discuss the Coast Hospital. I think that Robin wanted to start with the past first. You want that's, to tell us about that's right. Um, um, you know, one of the big changes before Adventist came was um, the closure of uh, labor and delivery and OB services on the coast. And I know this was very difficult for all of us, and the community was um, very sad and, and at times angry about this change. Uh, so what I want to do is sort of give an update to what's happened in the last year. And um, perhaps, uh, Anita, you could start and kind of go through how we prepared for that change, for that closure. Sure. I mean, for me, it was um, really just um, leaning into process and training and education for our team. You know, we as an emergency room uh, nurse and, and also now as in a leadership role, the important thing is that we are all in that continual motion of education and training and keeping our skills up. And so we just transitioned our focus 100% towards preparing for um, OB uh, emergencies. And then just also, you know, the non-emergencies, just um, a patient presenting that is a neighbor that needs assistance. So it was, um, 
um, a very collaborative effort of joining with our um, labor and delivery nurses that because we did have notice that really wanted us to be a part of that successful transition and helping us with <laughs> our guidelines and um, you know, setting up uh, training sessions. And then we had a clinical educator that was wonderful. She's also an OB nurse herself over in Lake County. And she assisted us with getting the certifications that were necessary, such as the neonatal resuscitation and um, stable was another certification. And the ER nurses really leaned heavily into recognizing that this was um, something that was going to happen and they wanted to be as prepared as possible. So they all really did, um, you know, step up and give additional hours and, you know, met, uh, met the request of, you know, getting those certifications and also um, working with, you know, outreach to Mendocino Coast Clinic with Lucretia Renteria, many meetings, yeah. uh, committee meetings to help collaborate on, on how to move through this. And uh, yeah, go ahead. So, so I went, I think people ought to know how <clears throat> OB was doing before you closed it. I mean, there was a reason that the hospital was in trouble and OB was in trouble. And as before the show, I don't know that people realize that, that lots and lots of small community hospitals have closed across the U.S. in the last 10 years. What was the situation before? At least I remember being chief medical officer. You all were losing a lot of money trying to pull off OB with uh, locum tenens, physicians, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, um, Dr. Saran, do you want to, I mean, I, I know the sure. numbers, but go ahead. <laughs> we all know the numbers. I mean, we were doing about... Uh, a delivery a week. And to have that delivery a week, we always had to have anesthesia on call, OB on call, and pediatrics on call. So we were losing anywhere between forty dollars and $50,000 a baby. So it came out to about a $2 million loss leader. And um, it's, it's, we were going to go broke, essentially. We, we, this is something we had to do. It's not something we wanted to do. It was just the financial necessity. Yeah, I think that's the point that people need to understand that this wasn't a fluke decision, that it was a necessary. Yeah, no, the emotional component was there definitely for me. Both of my children were born in this hospital. Um, you know, they were, um, you know, I'm, I definitely understand the, the value of having an OB department in a community, but we also know that recognize um, it's much more significant to have healthcare available. And, um, you know, when you're having 50 deliveries a year versus Ukiah's, you know, having 50 and 60 a month, you know, that's, that's telling. So, um, you know, I recognized that it was something that was out of our control and a financial component, but... Um, yeah, all, all of us did. Uh, we, we saw the writing on the wall and we did a lot of community outreach and we were uh, we, we did a lot of hard work, hard meetings, uh, getting prepared for, for the eventual uh, the closure. And um, I mean, Anita's staff, my staff, uh, we did a community, a series of community discussions. We went to Albion and Little River and Westport and Elk to have discussions with those communities on the effects. Um, and and we really did did all the homework that we could possibly do for, for it was sad for all of us. But, mm -hmm. you know, I was stunned when I saw the vote 
on whether to join the Adventist hospital. Didn't you get like 90% of the vote? 92. 92. Okay. You could have given away given away ice cream and not get 92% of the vote. I would, I've never seen 92% of the vote for anything. So you all did something right. I mean, the community really brought it, bought into the fact that they needed to do something different. So I was, I was very impressed mm. with that. Yeah, there, there was another series of town halls where we went out and, and met the community in, in small numbers and, um, and got ahead of it. I, you know, we, we were really talking about the hard issues and people's concerns, and we were addressing those in, in small forums in, in all of our little communities. So um, it was a lot of hard work, um, and we sold it really hard, and it's been, a, it's been a wonderful transition, actually. It's been really good for all of us. Okay. Well, let me just sum up what's happened in OB. Uh, Anita and Davey talked about how we prepared for it, how we took courses, how we trained nurses, paramedics, EMTs, and physicians. And so um, what happened the last year is that we actually had two deliveries in the emergency room. Uh, both of these women had no prenatal care. They were both preterm labor, preterm births, and um, we were prepared. We we took care of it. Uh, we stabilized everything. We transferred them to Ukiah. Uh, things went well under difficult circumstances. These were not just uh, healthy moms, healthy kids, babies being born. These were difficult, high-risk situations, and um, we were prepared. So um, things went well. That's great. That's impressive, really. For a small emergency department to be have to handle everything and OB, I'm impressed. Sure. So what's going on? So I want to actually going on the hospital now. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's time to talk about what's happened in the last year uh, with Adventist Health. Um, I'm certainly very grateful for being part of Adventist Health. I don't know if we would be around uh, with what's happened in COVID if it weren't for this affiliation. Uh, this has really been um, life-sustaining for our hospital. And I wanted to talk about some of the changes that have happened uh, since Adventist Health came. First is we have a new emergency department physician group. And this is actually the same group uh, that services um, Ukiah and Willits. So you can go to the emergency room in Fort Bragg, you might see the same physician who, who works in Ukiah or um, Willits. It's also true we have a new hospital group. It's the same group that works at uh, the two other inland hospitals. We have a new radiologist. Um, and one of the things that we're really trying to do is get more local people involved and living on the coast. We have new uh, local radiology technicians who live on the coast. We have more local nurses, and we're also trying to expand services. We have an orthopedic clinic on the coast with Dr. Charpentier. We have a new oncology family nurse practitioner. We have a new gastroenterologist for um, endoscopies and colonoscopies. Uh, there's a new spine surgeon in the county, Dr. Katsura, and we have cardiology on the coast too with Dr. Ploss. So these are just some of the personnel kinds of changes. Um, the other things that have been really helpful is we've had a lot of facility upgrades. We got rid of our 1970s carpet, and we've got brand new floors. We've got new paints. Um, there have been upgrades in the operating room. 
all good things. We also have new capital equipment. We have new 3D mammography, a state-of-the-art ultrasound machine. And, um, but we're not done. We got a lot more stuff coming up and I'll, I'll talk more about that later. Very good. Um, I hope you don't have new carpet in the OR. That was the rest of the hospital. <laughs> okay. No worries. Okay. Well, it's impressive that you have, you know, um, actually sort of duplicated Ukiah and Willits in Fort Bragg. You know, I worked for 30 years with PRMG, the hospitalist group and the ER group, and have PLOS, and I'm interested in your new GI doc. We can we could use him and or her and uh, Ukiah. Um, but I do think that you have a much more stable situation than you did when the old hospital was trying to have everybody be at a locums. That's that's a very difficult thing. And hopefully the medicine Absolutely. Home program will help. Um, Absolutely. And the, the locums is more of a, it's not a sustainable um, process. You got to have local people. And that's where we're headed, who live here and really buy in the community. What topic in the ER would you like to speak about? Or would you like to give them more of an overview? I mean, you're a full service hospital except for OB, correct? Correct. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I think for me, this past year has really been um, just amazing in the support and shared collaboration that we get from being uh, Mendocino One. I mean, I just really, you know, if a question comes up on, you know, trying to think through um, a situation, you're not reinventing the wheel. You know, you have uh, teammates that, you know, inland support that you can reach out to and say, hey, how do you do this? Or, or what do you think of this situation? And um, just having that um, collaboration has made the world of difference going through a pandemic. You know, um, we don't feel like we're on an island out here, even though we do like uh, our beautiful coast and the isolation <laughs> that the Redwoods do give us that Davey alluded to. But, um, you know, we don't have that anymore. And being able to keep patients, you know, our customers are our patients. And so when it comes to, you know, um, potentially not having, you know, maybe our census is full and we don't have a bed available or we do need to transfer to a higher level of care, being able to keep those people in county, in network, um, so they don't have to go so far away from their families. It's much better to be able to let them know we're transferring them to Kaya or, to, you know, over to Willits. And, and what we've seen for the first time I don't know about you, Davey or Dr. Saran, but we're accepting patients into our hospital. So, you know, we're doing the same, giving that same support um, to Willits and Ukiah and bringing those um, patients over here so that those family members don't have to, to go so far as well. So they are staying within Mendocino County and that's wonderful. I'm, I'm the medical director for the uh, utilization management for the 50,000 Medi-Cal patients in Lake Mendocino County. Oh. <laughs> guess, guess which hospital has the highest rate of retaining their own patients and not spending a lot of money on transfers? It's the Coast Hospital. You would think that wow. they'd be the opposite. You'd think they'd be the opposite. <laughs> but you will do a great job of taking care of your community, just to let you know. Um, also, um, you were going to talk about how the OB-GYN unit worked for COVID. I thought that was very interesting. 
Yes. Um, probably the biggest event this last year, obviously, has been COVID. And uh, we did really well on the coast in terms of having low COVID rates. The place that we were vulnerable was our nursing home. And this is true of all nursing homes. And we did have an outbreak of COVID in our nursing home, despite the best uh, precautions. So what we were able to do was to take all the patients who were COVID positive from Sherwood Oaks and bring them to our hospital and sequester them into the old OB ward. And this was very successful. So in a matter of less than two weeks or so, we were able to contain that outbreak at Sherwood Oaks. And um, that was the big event for COVID on the coast. And, uh, you know, we were really worried going into this epidemic as to how bad it was going to be. And because we have very limited resources and we realized that was our weak point and we were able to, we had a plan in place and we implemented it quickly and it was extremely successful. And then there was no more COVID at Sherwood Oaks. Well, while, while other hospitals were scrambling to put up tents and figure out how to take care of uh, people in tents, we had an underutilized wing of our hospital that just uh, rolled seamlessly into that COVID response. And um, it gave us a, a, a real uh, a resource that others did not have in that time of need. And, and it really played well for our community. I always um, wanted, I, I'd like to hear from uh, paramedic Beck. I've always often wondered what the life of a paramedic in uh, the coast is. You know, how far is it to Willits, really, or Ukiah? Or, you know, it's about a, an hour in every day, in every direction, Dr. Trotter. You know, we, we basically serve uh, the, the whole coast. We have about 20,000 people on the coast. And, and, uh, and Highway 20 is a, the bugaboo. And, and every patient that needs to go to a higher level of care it is an hour to, to Willits from here, and it's an hour to straight and smooth roads, and it's an hour uh, with a patient in the back, uh, maintaining that patient's care and comfort. And um, and uh, we're really blessed because we, we have relationships uh, with our personnel, with with our ER and with our hospital that, that don't exist almost anywhere else. We're, it's very rare to have a hospital-based ambulance service today. And, and so um, the learning opportunities that are afforded my staff uh, in our ED and following our doctors and and being uh, staying the continuity of care that we're able to produce um, is it's it's really unmatched um, in just about anywhere. So um, we're very fortunate. Well, and, and with the affiliation, uh, we're very fortunate to have support of our new administration. They're they're very supportive of of what it is we do and what we bring to the table. And um, and it's uh, it's been really good for us. I've always wanted to know what your you know, you could, do you wear a watch and check out your pulse between Fort Bragg and? and well, it'll be interesting to see how more tachycardia you are versus your resting state. You know, yeah, we put the monitor on us rather than the patient for some of these transfers. Um, <laughs> I, I, early on in this OB thing, I had a patient who delivered shortly after being uh, dropped in Ukiah, and um, it it was a it was a wonderful experience, you know. That uh, this woman and I got to spend some good quality time bouncing over the roads of Highway 20 and down the 101, um, Code Three, uh, you know, and uh, and dropped it off and uh, dropped her off in Ukiah. Gave her a big hug, and uh, she had a beautiful baby and uh, in the care of she, Ukiah. So you're saying that she didn't have to push at all; she was just bouncing her way to birth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like gravity doing its thing. <laughs> 
Yeah, running an ambulance service on the coast, we we really do get to experience the breadth of the island that we live on, and um, and we do get to um, to really go out and and uh, it's it's a vertically integrated care over here. You know, we, we make we go into people's homes and we get them when they're sick, and we start care for them, and we assess them in their homes, and we bring them to our hospital and. And uh, and we give uh, reports and handoffs to to Anita and her staff and Dr. Saran and his staff, and and then if that patient needs to go to a higher level of care, we we reintroduce ourselves to that patient and uh, and get to build on the foundation that we've laid in their in their environment <laughs> and in their homes and and the continuation of care is just it's just um, the people love it um, our, our care our providers love it um, it's 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 really a a wonderful little little niche that we have over here. Yeah, just for all all the training and and support, and you, it really raises the bar in our clinical skills because we we both lean in on each other and um, utilize each other as resources every day. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it, it's a real happy little family we got going over here. Well, I'm 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 going to interject the family residency program here for a moment, because I hope that that's a source of primary care doctors in the future. The family residency program Ukiah that is um, expanding out to the rest of Mendocino now, because this will be the third year. Another six doctors arrived July first, and studies show up up to seventy percent of uh, residents stay in the area that they did their residency. And my hopes is that primary care, which I, being a board-certified internist, uh, have always thought we had a big lacking for, you know, to have family practice docs that would stay in the area and populate the coast and inland would be a great thing for the community. Absolutely. Um, this is what's really needed is primary care on the coast. And uh, you're absolutely right. If you have a residency program, uh, most people are going to stay after residency. Uh, I did my residency in San Francisco and I thought I would leave afterwards and I end up being there for 30 years, much to my surprise, uh, to speak to your point. And actually we are um, working with the residency program. We've had uh, family medicine residents come to our ER. We've had two so far and we've really enjoyed that Great. and we want more. Great. Well, hopefully you'll get more now that there's the full 18 people. And I, and I do need to put a plug in for our nursing residents too. We're, <laughs> we're, yes. we're collaborating with Mendocino College and we'll be um, taking on some nursing students here on the coast as well on the inpatient side. So, um, and hopefully that'll extend into the ER. And, and you know, that's how, uh, just like with physicians, how we retain our nurses for longevity as well. <laughs> and Mendocino College has a wonderful nursing program Every one of their graduates the last five years has passed the nursing board. And I think wow. that's um, great, a great local nursing uh, equivalent to the residency program. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I just got a text from uh, Kara, who's one of the residents at the family practice oh. program. And she goes, she wants to come to live in the coast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> Um, I got her name down. Okay. <laughs> She's very smart. Uh, she went to UCSF and is a specialist in addiction medicine. I took her to Covalo with me. 
and she wants to have a countywide uh, MAT program, which they're working on with the Adventist right now. Absolutely. In fact, we're developing that in our own emergency room as well and hiring a substance use navigator and, um, you know, really expanding on, on that support with, um, you know, the, the outpatient side of it as well. And I think that most people may not realize the enormous cost to the medical system of substance abuse, alcohol and other drugs. And it's just crucial that we get better at um, getting people off, you know, or back on track or whatever you want to call it. And having a substance navigator in each ER, I think, will be help a lot. Yes, and we're studying that now with um, uh, opiates. Uh, people can come into the emergency room and start on buprenorphine that day if it's indicated. And if not, you know, we right. can get them hooked up. That's great. With services. So this is a big plus. How are things working with radiology, oncology, um, and, and the clinic. You have a strong um, FQHC clinic there as well, right? Right. That's Mendocino Coast. So we try to collaborate with them as much as we can. Um, we see their patients, and um, so we work with them as well. And then uh, you also mentioned oncology. Uh, looking to the future, we have a, a new oncology family nurse practitioner, Anna Antonowicz, who is wonderful. And we're hoping to have a, a regular uh, oncologist soon. Wow, that's impressive for a small hospital. I mean, just having the FMP oncologist that I know in Ukiah is wonderful, but having your own on the coast as well, that's great. Um, and, you know, the connections, again, that you talk about, Dr. Wong and Ukiah, mm-hmm. you know, all of Minnesota County and even some of Lake County uh, with excellent care. He's a sharp guy. He is. Yes, we do see his patients as well in our emergency room, and we communicate well. Yeah, I mean, I just can't help but, you know, all the things that you're touching base on, just, you know, there's so, so much that we can talk about, you know, it's hard to, to make just uh, one, one connection, but, you know, we've got Clara Slaughter over at our, um, at our clinic, the Adventist Health Mendocino Clinics, and, you know, we have a very robust DI center going under shared leadership, um, between Ukiah and, and Fort Bragg as well, you know, with our MRI and, and CT and ultrasound and all the outpatient services we provide. We have um, collaboration with a shared radiology group, um, you know, the inpatient uh, leadership that we have with Kelly Hendricks. I mean, there's just so many shout outs to be able to give um, that really has been key in what the affiliation with Adventists is brought to the table. You know, I, I also saw a realtor friend of mine who said that eight out of the last 10 houses he sold were on the coast to Bay Area people. You have quite a, a flux of um, different um, uh, people on the coast, you know, Comche natives to some San Francisco transplant. 
Diversity is the uh, key, I guess Dr. Rutter. We, we, we run a diverse group over here and, uh, and, <laughs> and we treat each other like family and, and we, um, work together seamlessly and, um, and really, we're really getting it done. It feels, it feels the vibe over here is, is very positive. We're, it feels like we're doing good work. It's community. It really is the, yeah. it's, you know, the definition of, of what community is all about and, and how, um, you know, we're not just a village in raising children. We're a village in supporting one another, and that extends out to our our public as well. You know, my my daughter has a PhD in psychology, and she sees a lot of people in San Francisco, and she uh, says that one of the most, if not the most important issue about some person's sense of welfare is how they feel connected to their community. That that is some background sociological support system to know that all those folks that you know are out there are on your side is a huge thing. You know, and absolutely. Um, you know, I can speak to that having lived in San Francisco. Um, we've talked about some of the disadvantages of being small medically, but one of the great advantages is that sense of community, that sense of personalism. Um, and it just can't exist in a big city like it does here. And part of that is that we depend on each other and we've got each other's backs. And um, adding more to that, um, I find that, you know, working together with dedicated people towards a common purpose is extremely meaningful. And that's the big part about community is that meaning. I'm not saying it didn't exist in San Francisco. It just exists at a higher level here. And that's just so enthusiastic. And it, uh, um, that's why I want to go to work in the morning. Right. So, Rich, should we try to start taking calls now? If um, um, That's something I can't do from this side, but we'll start uh, trying to get phone calls um, when um, Rich is on. Um, what are the biggest challenges to your ER? Is it staffing? Is it numbers of people? Is it... Um, what do you, what's the, you know? Well, well, I think the elephant in the room definitely has been the pandemic. I mean, that's been the biggest challenge for, for us and, and how we, you know, navigated through all the different tier levels with purple and red and, you know, and process and implementing that. Um, you know, we, we have a wonderful staff. Um, we do have some, a few travelers that cover on, our night shift, but um, even they uh, have really been um, part of our our implementation of, of figuring out our process. And you know, definitely with Dr. Miller, our infection specialist, um, and, you know, and helping us create guidelines for how to to go through. So, this. so, so the, the one of the biggest challenges in this pandemic for us has been communication with staff and and the constant changing. Uh, guidance by the CDC. So, so um, we, we've been getting in a room together uh, weekly and discussing the messaging, and we've been uh, using every every angle possible to get our staff and keep our staff up to date. And um, and we've made huge strides in that in that manner. We're, you know, communication around here is it's such a small hospital, but it's it's communication is always a challenge in organizations and. And we take this very seriously as, as, as a group and as the leadership of this hospital. Super number one priority on our list. Here comes Rich. So, 
Go ahead, Robin. That's fine. So, um, <clears throat> for me, the, the challenges that have been most difficult have been the challenges that were present when I first came here. Uh, one is we have a very antiquated uh, emergency medical record system, um, our electronic medical record system. We have four different systems that don't talk to each other in paper. Four? Um, we have a system four, yes, and four? paper. No one and they don't talk to here. So it, it's, it makes it very inefficient. So um, we're hoping in uh, 2022 to have a Cerner, which is part of the Adventist healthcare system. And this will make us much more efficient. Uh, we'll be able to get patients seen more quickly, get patients in and out of the emergency room more quickly. So that is huge. Um, the other challenge has been orthopedists. And that's been a challenge since we've been here. And we don't have an orthopedist living on the coast. We're usually utilizing the inland orthopedist. Um, and we're hoping to have someone very soon, an orthopedist on the coast. So those are the two big issues that have been present for the last seven years since I've been here. Okay, Rich. Um. We're having a little difficulty. You have a call, Marvin. Oh, okay. Hello. Can you hear me? Now we can. Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. Good show. Uh, congratulations on getting the Coast Medical Services up and running. I'm wondering about rehab services, occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy. And I know it's very hard, and we have a lot of travelers inland to staff our departments. I wonder how your staff or your rehab team is happening, and do you have all three therapies uh, available in the Coast Hospital? Thanks. Okay, good question. Okay, uh, I'll take that one. Um, we do not have speech therapy. That is something we would very much like. It's on our list of what we want to accomplish in the near future. Uh, we have physical therapy. We're we're good there. Um, I'm not quite certain about occupational therapy. Do you know, Anita? Yeah, for outpatient services, I, I believe that that is um, happening. We have um, occupational and PT outpatient services. Um, so I can't speak to the extent of it, but certainly, um, you know, you could call and, and reach out to Sarah Meckling. She's uh, runs the outpatient um, physical therapy services. And, you know, there's there's always someone that, as, as the motto goes, if, if I don't have that answer, we'll get that answer for you. So <laughs> I think we're just a phone call away. <laughs> but on the other hand, you know, ortho has been a problem um, but you have an excellent orthopedic hospital, so to speak, uh, just an hour away. And with Dr. Katsura there, really it's amazing the breadth of medical help you have a short distance from your hospital. Absolutely. Um, we have good services. The only issue is they're, they're an hour away. Uh, well, you can't have the close. You, you can't have it all. Don't talk to me about, you know, sitting in your car at 108 degrees and I don't get to look at the ocean. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, it will happen. We'll, we'll get an orthopedist out here. Okay. 
Well, I will say uh, from from a transportation side, we have been taking uh, more and more uh, transfers in in our county. We've been keeping a lot more of those ortho patients in county. A lot of uh, we used to make a lot of runs to Santa Rosa and to the hospitals further south, and um, and we've been doing an excellent job of keeping our community uh, much closer to home for higher levels of care. So with most of the orthopedic patients, do they have the operation in Willits and then they come back and do their rehab in town or they stay in Willits most of the time or how does that work? Well, they often come back to the coast for their rehab. Okay, that's what I was wondering. And you have Dr. Ploss doing cardiology there. The man, the, that man is Superman. Um, <laughs> he is. We have, a, we have a call on hold, so we'll go to Rich. Uh, you're, on, you're on the air, uh, caller. Yeah. This, is, this is Randy from Willits, and I'd like to wonder why it is that you're diminishing the childbirth. I thought this was going to be a discussion about the closing of the obstetrics, and we need our childbirth center. And if, what are you going to do in place of it if you're not going to be delivering children? Because they don't have a childbirth center over here in, in Willits either. Okay, I think I think we discussed that, and I think it, the hospital was in a, you know, unobtainable or untenable situation with the cost of providing OB, and a small hospital on the coast. I don't care where you are, California, Oregon, Texas, uh, to have that small of a hospital trying to do OB in this day and age of sophistication and difficulties with doing OB. Um, you know, they don't do OB in Willets. Um, it's only done in Ukiah, and there's a lot of people from Garberville that drive down to Willits, I mean, to Ukiah, and I just think that's a, um, an issue that's been addressed well, and, and you wouldn't have had 92% of the people wanting to affiliate with the hospital if this was a, such a crucial issue. And I don't know that the Adventists would have taken you on with OB, because they have enough troubles, you know, financing rural hospitals is very difficult. And um, I think that's just the way the sun shines at this time. Well, and just thinking about all the, the small hospitals throughout the nation during the pandemic that have had to close because of um, the financial struggles. So, you know, the it, it would have been um, inevitable either way, um, you know, looking at it from that perspective, but, um, you know, it's it's just uh, one of those things where it's a matter of sustainability and being able to um, provide um, medical care on the coast. You know, and and you know, it's uh, unfortunate that we just like Dr. Serrano, I think said in many of these town halls that we had people who are already um, traveling over to Ukiah to receive. Um, receive the obstetric services so and what we can do as leaders is we can train our staff to manage these patients that you know um you know we can take our trainings to a higher level we you know everyone did, can can become competent uh with with the birthing of of children one thing i'd like to do right now is uh rich is um i'm always bad at this call 895-2448 if you want a question 895 2448. And to reintroduce, uh, this is Anita West, RN, Davey Beck, paramedic, and Dr. Sarah Saran. 
Dr. Saran, is that right? Yes, you got uh, it. ER doctor, um, if you all have any questions for the hospital. You know, one issue that we haven't discussed uh, that uh, we started with um, before the show was mental health. And I know there's even discussion about trying to turn the OB gen unit into a uh, site facility, you know, if you could staff it. Um, but mental health is a, a continual problem um, inland, and I would think it would even be more so on the coast with the 5150s, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, this is an area where our healthcare system as a nation does not do well. And uh, right now, like if we have somebody on a hold because they're suicidal, uh, we have to transfer them out of county. And that's difficult because there's limited resources. And all too often, they have to stay in our emergency room for three days and sometimes longer, six days. And that's just not the very therapeutic. So we do need a mental health uh, facility in our county. Uh, you know, where uh, it almost doesn't matter, but somewhere in our county, there, there is a great need. And, you know, Measure B is trying to address some of that. Um, obviously, it's a difficult issue. We certainly would like to have it be done years ago, but uh, it's in process. Well, one good set of news is that um, I read in the newspaper last week that Measure B, with $22 million in the bank now from the taxes, has agreed to build a puff unit. I would have liked to have seen a, um, a crisis unit or a residential crisis unit uh, rather than a puff because I think there'd be more use for it right away. But at least they're going for a psychiatric health facility, and hopefully we'll get one soon somewhere, like you say, in Mendocino County, rather than shipping people to who knows where in Vacaville, et cetera. Yeah, I, I guess the point I was making is I think the aftercare to the 5150 is very important. A lot of people, they do their three days, they're not considered acutely suicidal, but then don't have good support afterwards. Right, it's that continua continuation of support for the behavioral health and, and getting treatment initiated as soon as possible and, and getting them the resources that they need. And it definitely is, is a struggle throughout emergency rooms, um, not just in our county, but state and, and nationwide. And um, Okay, we have another call. Right. Caller, you're on the air. Uh, yeah, I'd uh, just like you guys to uh, remember to mention step one for many people, which is the fire department EMTs. So, super important part of the thing. It's where it all starts. Yes. Good, good point. Cobb, Cobb usually runs the show and is a volunteer um, ambulance person, EMT in Boonville. Uh, you're right. And what is the status for your... Is this the whole ambulance service related with the hospital? So, so we are a professional paid ambulance service. Um, however, uh, what what allows us the, the strength that we have in our community is is reaching out to our volunteers who are are a hundred percent of the time. Well, except for with the exception of Fort Bragg, are first on scene um, when we go out into any of these smaller shires out in in uh, Albion, Elk, uh, Compshe, Westport, Little River. 
um, we, we meet up with the, the volunteers who have uh, got out of their beds to serve their communities in the middle of the night in, in sometimes tragic situations and very challenging work environments, stress loads, the whole thing. And, and um, another hat I wear is I'm a fire chief out in Compshi. And so, I, you know, um, we all really work on the same playing field and um, the, the level of care that people are getting uh, from first responders is, is always uh, just excellent. And, and we work with these partners and uh, we get the job done and uh, we really appreciate the first responders. Thank you, Caller, for that, that plug. And I, I will just have to say, as um, going on uh, being married 24 years to my husband <laughs> and 30 years together, that for that entire 30 years, he has been a volunteer with Fort Bragg Fire Department. And I can tell you that there are <laughs> continued uh, multiple times a week uh, training and meetings and the amount of uh, work that goes into being a volunteer and to be at that high level to support um, you know, Davies EMS system and our emergency department, uh, absolutely that, you know, that is a huge, huge part of our success here on the coast and the, and the service that is provided. So can't say enough about our, our fire departments and volunteer EMTs. Yeah. <laughs> They're amazing. Sounds, sounds like you have some skin in the game. That's right. <laughs> well, absolutely. And I have to say that to be a rural paramedic, requires a far higher level of skills than say uh, working in san francisco we've got to cover 49 square miles and you're just minutes away from a hospital i mean you guys can be an hour away or more and you're it you got to deal with the issue the problem and um i have to say that you know the skill level of our paramedics certainly exceeds other cities that i've worked in well, they're blessed to work in a system where they get to to shadow doctors and they get feedback loop that that many services don't have. Right when when um, when we have a question, we feel like we can call call the ER doctor. We can make base contact, um, and and we'll get the support we need and and the and the leadership and the guidance and the education that we need. And and uh, so that that vibe just really permeates and 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 makes it a real positive experience for all of us. Well, I want you to tell you one of the scariest times as an ER doctor in 30 years was on Highway 20, halfway between Willits and Fort Bragg, a motorcycle accident. And I really appreciated being in the ER with 49 people around me and 69 subspecialists and machines as to be on the highway uh, with a motorcycle accident, wondering if the helicopter could plant, plant you know, land somewhere. Uh, I thought that was a much more stressful situation than in party averting somebody in the ER from their, you know, BFIB. Mm -hmm. uh, we have another caller. Oh, oh, um, oh, I see. Okay. And does Mari Roden want to make a um, question to the uh, staff here? No, I guess not, Rich. Okay. Um, Mari's a friend of mine in the booth there. Um so you have 10 minutes left. Tell me what, if somebody just called up, uh, started listening, what were the points that you'd like them to have with um, the program that you've been listening to? Well, one is we're open. Maybe that sounds obvious, but I'm just so, I don't take that for granted. I don't know if we weren't with Adventist, if we'd still be open you know, after COVID and um, the difficulty of just being a single hospital. 
Um, so we're open. Uh, we're delighted to be open. Uh, we are trying to increase our services. We're trying to uh, have people get their services locally rather than having to go um, to the corridor. And uh, we're looking forward to increasing more services and new things to come. Things are looking good on the coast. And I think um, for Adventist Health and our affiliation, what they've brought to the table is a um, an organization that understands the business of healthcare and that that business is the customer uh, as a patient and that we are patient-centered. So, you know, we are here to, um, you know, accommodate and take care of the needs of the community when they come to our hospital to seek service. And I'm really proud of the level of service that we provide those patients when they are here. Um, it's it's just been, you know, one of the most challenging years through COVID, but also one of the most rewarding when it comes to the experience of affiliating. And that comes with someone that's worked at this hospital for over 20 years and been through multiple administrations. So it's uh, better than ever. Yeah, we're, we, we, I'm sorry. We had a caller that was wanting to know, how does the Coast Hospital <clears throat> interface with the Coast Clinic? Um, that seems obvious to me, but maybe not to the public. Well, the Mendocino Coast Clinic is a separate entity. Um, nonetheless, um, you know, we share patients. You know, for example, um, we see their patients in the emergency room. And um, if a patient needs follow-up, they don't have primary care, uh, we're able to get them a follow-up clinic at Mendocino Coast. So uh, we're definitely involved with them. We're separate, but we work together. So is the Coast Clinic the majority um, provider for Medi-Cal or the town? Or, is, or do you have enough primary care where it's a 50-50 thing? I, I've lost track of how yeah. big the Coast Clinic is. So there's two clinics. Maybe Anita can better explain this since she's worked at North Coast. Yeah, it used to, yeah, what was once known as North Coast Family Health Center is now the Adventist Health Medical um, Services. And they have, you know, an incredible array of providers over there, both primary care, they have the immediate care for walk-in, um, you know, same day uh, needs. They have pain management. Um, you know, they really have expanded under the guidance of Adventist Health and um, continue to do so. They have, um, I think they even have pediatric services now. So it's really been, um, you know, quite an expansion over this past year for them as well. I know that they're, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, almost 200 um you know, patients a day over there, uh, appointments Whoa. between really? health and, and specialty wow. services. And um, yeah, you know, okay. it's, it's wow. been, yeah. Would somebody address also the hospital service? I did that in Ukiah for several years with the ER. I don't think most people understand what the hospital service is um, at, at the coast. Could you explain them to the, explain that service to someone? Certainly. So um, if a patient comes into the ER, they don't see their primary care physician, they see the ER physician. If that patient needs to be admitted, they get admitted to the hospital service, you know, the primary care 
doesn't take care of the patient in the hospital. The hospitalist does. And uh, this has been one of the changes in medicine, certainly during my career. And it's actually been a good change uh, because outcomes are better. It's, it's a specialty, just like emergency room. So then when the patient is discharged, they go back to the primary care. And the hospitalist then contacts the primary care physician to have a follow-up plan. Just to let people know, I um, used to have an internal medicine office with Dr. Newkirk in Ukiah, and we had 5,000 patients. But we took care of our own patients in the hospital. And my last year as an internist, I went to the hospital 320 days um, because there was no hospital service. And that really wasn't sustainable for a lot of people. And so things broke up to where you're either in the hospital as a hospitalist or you're outside the hospital in primary care. And it's not, you know, Dr. Brown seeing you from birth to death at the hospital and the office anymore. No one's willing to do that, really. What are your biggest challenges when you try to recruit people? Is it housing or patients or what's what's when you try to recruit somebody? What's the biggest thing? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody wants to come work on the coast if you're just coming to, you know, if, if you could just choose and not have that that overhead cost um, because it's so gorgeous here with the redwoods and, and the ocean and the even temperatures, but housing is um, a huge, a huge barrier, um, and I think you know cost of living. Cost of living over yeah. here is expensive too. So it's it's the whole picture. Mm -hmm. It's it, mm -hmm. it's a tough it's a tough place to break into. But once you can get here, uh, people tend to stay. I know housing is the biggest issue for us as well. Um, so how would people contact you? Here we got only two minutes left in the show. Is there? Um, a website or something if people wanted to reach out to you on a subject or how would we do that, uh, Anita? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you know, the Adventist website is um, very user-friendly and uh, is filled with information, but um, I'm accessible through, you know, just a phone call. Um, you know, we are still limiting our visitors into the ER, so I wouldn't recommend necessarily coming coming here to, to connect um, just because we still are trying to um, practice a uh, safe process through COVID. But email, um, my email's on the, the website, phone number, I give out my cell phone number, I'm, you know, and I'm here a lot, so. <laughs> well, they can see you at Safeway. Is that the other option? <laughs> I think they tell people when I'm doing interviews for, for staff or, you know, potential new hires is I tell you that we are definitely a patient-centered community, and it's guaranteed that every patient that comes through this hospital will be either a relative or a friend of someone that works in this hospital. So treat mm -hmm. them like they're your best friend or your family because they, I guarantee that they are that to some. <laughs> Here. That works <laughs> I was surprised at that in Ukiah when I first came. You know, I would be complaining about somebody and somebody would pipe up, well, actually, that's my cousin or uncle or something. And Dr. Trotter, I just have to tell you, uh, you know, I, I know we're coming to a close, but when I was a nursing student uh, for the LVN program over in Ukiah, I commuted every day over to Ukiah for a year and a half. Wow. And I did cross paths with you. I was, uh, you know, a bright-eyed, uh, you know, eager to learn student, um, you, you know, under, uh, you know, in the emergency room. And and I do remember you well, and and just appreciate all your uh, 
just expertise in history to our our hospitals and community and thank love you. that you're continuing that dedication mm -hmm. thank you hey thank you all very much rich i think it's yours now okay great program If you enjoyed this podcast, you can go to kzyx.org to find more shows and content like this one. While there, you can stream us live or check out our jukebox. And if you like what you hear, consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. We are Mendocino County Public Broadcasting, listener-supported community radio. KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Woolitz and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Thanks for listening. <laughs>